What is up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Surfing the Stream, where every week we're on a quest to find out what is the greatest movie of all time. I am Matt Primo, and we are continuing Horror in Review Part 3, Alien Slash Space Horror. Uh, throughout the entire month of October, I am reviewing nothing but Alien Slash Space Horror movies. And at the end of the month, we will be doing a top 10 episode of the best movies of that subgenre. Uh, three years in a row I have done this this genre series and it continues to be one of my favorite things that we have done on the podcast and that's mainly because well I fucking love horror movies uh, it's my favorite genre out there uh, whenever a horror movie comes out regardless of just how terrible it looks I just I, I love watching them you know I I will say is space alien horror gonna be you know my favorite subgenre after this is all said and done? No, it's probably going to be one of my least favorites, honestly. Because, to be fair, I think the really, really great movies are, well, really, really great. But there's a huge drop-off. It's like the movie's either fucking fantastic or it's absolute dog crap. So, we've kind of gotten into this rut where, yeah, once you watch, like, the ten best movies of this genre, the, after that, it it's a, it's a huge fall-off from there. So it's been kind of one of the one of the things that I have not liked too much about this this subgenre for for horror part three, um, but next year I'm hoping we can do like psychological slash uh, possession movies because oh my god do I love possession movies those are my that's probably my favorite subgenre uh, from horror like altogether uh, that is like my bread and butter right there so hopefully I can convince Carmen to. Uh, to, to do that next year but that's next year we're talking about this year this week i am reviewing signs that is the m night Shyamalan movie with mel gibson and guys this is a movie that i saw in theaters and i was not no actually i was 11 years old when this came out so when this movie came out i remember seeing the theaters and i saw it with my mom and it is still to this day one of my favorite movies of all time. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, if you like what we're doing here and you want to consider supporting us, go to patreon.com slash two game. That is the number two. Support us at any of those tiers and you get access to a whole bunch of different content, exclusive podcasts, uh, reviews, and you also get access to our Discord channel where you basically become a creator slash producer of all of our content. So if that kind of tickles your fancy go to patreon.com slash two game uh but that's enough of that crap let's jump into one of my favorite movies and that is signs a widowed reverend living with his children and brother on a pennsylvania farm finds mysterious crop circles in their fields which suggests something more frightening to come this movie was directed by m night Shyamalan, who has directed old glass split the Village, Sixth Sense, uh, Unbreakable. He's directed The Last Airbender. What is it? Uh, After Earth or, or something like that. There's a bunch of other movies in there. He's kind of a he, he's kind of a hit and miss director. If we're being kind of honest, because Old was okay. Glass was actually I don't think I've seen Glass. I think I only saw like an hour of that movie. But Split was just incredible. The Village, I have not seen. Sixth Sense, obviously, fantastic movie. Uh, Unbreakable, 
obviously a fantastic movie. But then you have like The Last Airbender, which everybody says was dog doo-doo. So he's kind of a hit and miss kind of dude. Oh, also The Happening. So I totally forgot about that movie. You know, the one with the wind. But this movie had a budget of $72 million and it grossed $408.2 million. It stars Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix, Rory Culkin, and Abigail Breslin. It has a runtime of one hour and 46 minutes and it was released October, or excuse me, August 2nd, 2002. Uh, Jump into some of the fun facts. The stories of the uh, children's birth that Mel Gibson kind of go through once the, uh, the aliens kind of show up around the house uh, are actually of M night Shyamalan's two kids. So that's, those are actually true stories of, of his kids. Uh, Mark Ruffalo was originally attached to star as Merrill, but he had like a, like a brain tumor or something like that and ended up being benign. But I could not picture Mark Ruffalo as Merrill in this movie that, Oh, to me that move, this movie would be completely different because walking Phoenix just plays that role so perfectly. Uh, the crop circles were done practically because uh, M. Night Shyamalan really hates using CGI. And then the pantry scene took three weeks to film. So what do I think of Signs? Well, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. But this is the movie, okay? When we came up with the the schedule for Horror and Review Part 3, it was... Oh, hold on, I'm trying to remember all these movies off the top of my head. Super 8... Cloverfield, which was a Patreon-exclusive review. Uh, we have Sunshine, which is also a Patreon-exclusive review. The Thing and Event Horizon. So when we came up with that list of, of movies to watch, uh, Carmen and I, I was super excited to finally review Signs. To me, that was the, the quote-unquote alien part of Alien in Review, right? We had that movie... And then, obviously, Alien. I mean, that. I mean, you can't get any more Alien than a fucking Alien movie, right? Well, we've already reviewed that movie, so I couldn't do it again. But those two movies are basically the movies that I think of when you mention space horror or alien horror movies. So, to finally get to this point of reviewing Signs was, was very exciting for me. Like, I, I was super excited to, to finally watch it and... I haven't seen it in a few years, several years actually. So watching again, it just it brought back a lot of great memories of of watching it as a kid. Because like I said, I saw this in theaters with my mom, and it was. I mean, we saw a lot of movies back then. Probably a lot of movies I should not have seen, but regardless, this movie we watched uh, a lot. I want to say this is one of my mom's favorite movies of all time, and we watched it together a lot. So that's just a huge you know, childhood memory of mine, you know, you, you, you can't really, you know, quantify just how nostalgia affects your, your view of certain movies. But I, I think I tried to be as unbiased as possible with this movie. I tried to look at it more critically than all the other movies. And then you kind of run into this thing of, am I being too critical or am I being not critical enough of this movie? And I'm going to be honest, I, I tried my best, but I, I still love this movie. I, I think it is, to me, M. Night Shyamalan's best movie overall. From beginning to end, I think it is his best movie. I think it's his most entertaining movie at that. And the thing is, there's not a whole lot of story there, really. I mean, 
aliens show up and kind of haunt this one particular house. I mean, granted, they're all around the world, but the story revolves around the the one family, right? So the story is kind of razor thin in terms of what they're trying to do. But the thing that really sets this movie apart from just any other movie is is some of the the tension building scenes that they do, some of the great acting that they have in this movie, and the characters. The characters are so damn good, and they're all kind of like distinctively different from each other. And you have multiple reasons of why. Ah oh, man, I kind of I kind of don't like that kid. You know, I I I know I I like him a lot, and regardless of what side of the fence you kind of fall on with any of these characters, you know, it's justifiable, you know, and you can't say you just, you just hate these characters because they're poorly written. No, you, if you hate them at all, it's because they're written so well, in my opinion. Let's take a look at Mel Gibson's character, Graham, first, okay? I think, okay, actually, let me start off with this. I think one of the weakest aspects of the entire movie and it's probably the one thing that i take that back it's not the one thing that holds it back from being a five star i just i just don't think it is you know when i compare this movie to like alien or compare this movie to like the dark knight or logan or, or whatever it just feels differently in comparison to those movies um i, I do think I honestly don't have much bad to say about this movie, but yeah, I I don't think I can in good faith give it five stars, even though I probably, you know what, you know what, I'm thinking about it, and now, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably give it five stars, honestly. Now, I keep thinking about it, and I just, the one thing that about this movie that I'm just like not a huge fan of is we have this super jaded, uh, dry character that Mel Gibson is is portraying, right? And that is basically the entire movie. And then we get a flashback every once in a while of him arriving to the scene of his wife's car accident. But he's still the same sort of dry character at that point. You know, you think you would have some different personalities there. Like, if he became that dry, you know, didn't really care, monotone character after the fact, then that's one thing. But he was still like that beforehand. So, I don't know. I, I wish that I think that could have helped complete that arc a little bit if they were just showed a little bit different personalities in between after the pre event and post event of his uh, wife dying. But that's legitimately like my only little nitpick of the movie. I think Meryl is who is portrayed by Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix does a phenomenal job with him. And honestly, his character and Graham, who is played by Mel Gibson, I think those characters work so well together. They bounce off each other so well. I mean, we got the levity from Meryl most of the movie. And it's two different styles of humor. Okay, Meryl is more more laid back, more charismatic and whatnot, and you get some of that levity from him with some of the, the dumb shit he says, like especially when he's in front of the, the sheriff and whatnot. But then you got him doing, he's basically bouncing off his humor, his comedy, off of the super dry Mel Gibson, and it just, it works perfectly, I think. And I don't know if you could have got a different actor for either of these two uh, 
characters, I don't think it works as well. And that's it, just a testament to how well Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix did in this movie. But then you got the two kid actors who... Abigail Breslin doesn't really do a, a ton in this movie. I mean, she has some great lines. Uh, then we got Rory Culkin, who... I mean, he's kind of a, like a little dick bag for most of the movie, right? Like, like I'm not sitting here saying, like, I hate the character because I don't. I actually, I love his character. But, like, his personality, he's just like, you just want to slap the kid, you know? Just give him a little backhand. And I'm like, bruh, come on, man. Just, just straighten your shit up. But I think all the characters are absolutely fantastic. And you got the the straight shooter of the, the sheriff and some of the other characters in this movie. It's a very minimal character list, honestly. But I, I think overall, the characters really set apart this movie from other movies. But on top of the characters, we also have a ridiculously phenomenal score. The score, to me is one of the best horror scores of all time. Like, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I would say easily top 10, maybe top five scores of all time. Like, I fucking love this score. I, I think it adds a lot of suspense, a lot of tension, and it gives you on the edge of your seat, you know, 95% of the movie. And on top of that tension, you also have to, to me... To me, one thing about horror movies is I'm not a huge fan of comedy in my horror movies. I, I'm just not. You know, I'm here to, to 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 see some death and carnage, some scary shit, spooky shit. I don't, I don't really need, you know, levity or comedy in my movies. That's generally why I don't kind of gravitate towards, you know, the, the comedy horror aspect of, of movies like The Evil Dead and, and you know, movies like that. I don't typically like those movies as much because they kind of focus on the comedy side more so than anything, and it's it's typically just stupid humor for me. But for whatever reason, I think it is the performances of Joaquin Phoenix, the kids especially, and then Mel Gibson. I think it's those performances that really bring home and nail that levity in all those scenes, and... I I think it's a combination of those char- these actors and characters kind of playing off each other very well. And I also think it is, you know, a lot to do with the writing and whatnot. So I think the levity in this movie, while it it, it might get a little too much at times where it kind of breaks the, the tension a little too much, I still find all those moments very, very funny, and I, I, I just, I love the levity in this movie, more so than any movie uh, in the horror genre. I think they just did it just perfectly, in my opinion. And then on top of that, you got what is one of the best paced movies of all time, okay? Uh, on the podcast, you know, we have discussed about, you know, I try to discuss a lot about pacing because it really matters, Okay. If a movie is not paced right, it could be one of the best created movies of all time, best filmed movies of all time. But if it's not paced well, I mean, it's just a big old slodge. You know, you're 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 just basically crawling through that movie and you just want to fall asleep. This movie is paced so well. It's one of the best paced movies I've ever watched. I, I think the one hour and 47 minutes just absolutely flies by. And come to think of it, Mel Gibson has to me 
three of the best well-paced movies, the best paced movies of all time. I'm not saying they're like number one, two, and three, but like Braveheart, which we have reviewed on this, on this podcast, The Patriot, we have also reviewed in the podcast, and then now this one, I think all three of those movies, some of the well, the best paced movies ever made, uh, because especially Braveheart and The Patriot, which are almost three hours long, so those movies just just feel like they're flying by to begin with. And is that a Mel Gibson thing? Is that a director or writing thing? I don't know. But all I know is this movie is paced so well, and it, it's a testament to how well it's written and how much you just love, you just fall in love with these characters, okay? Like I said, the the story may not be head and shoulders above anything in the world because I, I won't sit here and say that the story is utterly amazing or anything like that. But I, I think this, there's enough story there to kind of keep you keep you engaged and attracted to this movie. But honestly, what it all comes down to is the characters and the situations that they get put in and then the writing. That is, that is, those are the, the damn home runs that get hit in this movie. But yeah, I think I'm going to end up giving this five stars versus four and a half. I, this, is, this is easily top 15 movies of all time for me. I, I absolutely love this movie. And I, I just, I love some of the, some of the themes in this movie. You know, we have the, the faith versus cynicism. We have miracles versus coincidences. Uh, lots of running themes with religion in it as well. And I think they do that very well in this movie. It's like I said, I've said it a bunch. It's just written so well with those the thematic elements. But one thing I do have to talk about before we cut out of here is how does this stack up as a horror movie? Like I said earlier, I think the score is one of the best horror scores of all time. And honestly, that adds enough to the movie to consider as a horror movie for me. Now, the levity obviously kind of brings down that darkness, brings down that horror element a lot. But I think there there's enough there with some of the horror melts, especially once the aliens start showing up like towards the end. And, you know, they're, they're boarding up the house and whatnot. They're in the cellar. I think some of those moments can be... I'm not going to say I'm scared or anything like that, but you know, those are definitely scary moments in the movie. So I think it 100% works as a horror movie. In fact, up till now, Event Horizon and this one are basically the only two movies that I would quote unquote say belong in this series, like 100% belong on a top 10 list uh, or in consideration for the alien slash horror genre which is kind of crazy because I thought for sure that maybe uh, Super 8 would kind of fit that, but it really doesn't, and Cloverfield doesn't really fit that. Uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of crazy how <laughs> we picked some movies and like half of them probably aren't even technically alien horror movies. But regardless, I, I do think this movie is definitely going to be considered for the top 10 Obviously, it's, it's going to have a uh, hard time because there are some fantastic movies in that top five that it will have to, to fight with. But guys, that is going to be it from me. Um, I don't remember which order this comes in, so I'm not going to try to tell you which, which review is up next. Uh, but 
At the end of the month, we will be doing a top 10 episode with the best alien space horror movies of all time. So be prepared for that. But other than that, I will catch you on next week on another episode. Laters.